Well, welcome to Retail Level Up's Moment with Mickey. We're very excited because today's episode marks a first. It's a big milestone for us. Today we have a guest and she is a very special guest. I have known and had the pleasure of working with her and knowing her for several years. And she is a Chicago entrepreneur, owner of Beverly Dry Goods, located in the Beverly neighborhood of Chicago's South Side. She has over 30 years experience in retail, primarily in the corporate America retail, and recently decided to go into business for herself. And I'm so excited to hear the story because I haven't heard it all. So welcome, Mary Bleavy Moss. Hello. Hi, Mickey. How you doing? Excellent. So glad you're with us today. Thank you for joining us, Mary. Thanks. So tell, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, your background, and then sure. we'll... Uh, I want to know like the past companies you've worked for and, you know, where you've lived and, you know, positions that you've had. So give us a little rundown of your resume. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I have been in retail since the dawn of time. Um, at least it feels that way. Um, I started in department store world and uh, back in high school and did it like many of us to get the discount on all the clothing I loved. And then uh, left when I went to school. I was like so many of us in retail, a psych major, um, <laughs> and uh, a skill that has served me well. Um, realized that I uh, just wasn't cut out for um, the foreseeable future of college. It just wasn't uh, the best for me. And so I went back to doing what I loved and I went back to retail and stayed in department stores for a while, then worked for The Gap. And then I joined a company who was at the time in its infancy, a White House black market. I was very fortunate that they were based in Maryland, which is where I'm from. And I got to really see all the inner workings of retail. Uh, because they were small, I got to see the buying, the merchandising. And that's really uh, when I went, this is for me. Um, and decided not to go back to school, much to the chagrin of my family. But um, <laughs> It worked out okay. It's a good ending. And uh, went from there. Then I went to Ann Taylor, where I really did the bulk of my growing up in retail. Spent 10 years there with them. And then um, went to Ulta and spent some time there with them. I had done some uh, training for Ann Taylor, really kind of creating some training materials and things like that, that really kind of propelled me to then go to Ulta and went to Ulta, started to get some multi-unit experience there and then um, had to leave um, for some personal family obligations. And actually, this is the great thing about retail. We network, network, network. And my old vice president at, well, I shouldn't say old, my previous vice president at um, Ann Taylor uh, actually gave my name to someone for Vanity. And that's how I got to Vanity. And I was a district manager for them for a hot second, um, probably like six months, and then became a trainer for uh, them as they didn't have a lot of training materials. Um, and then really stayed in that role for quite some time. And um, that's where we met um, and became a regional for them. And then stayed there <laughs> for another 10 years 
And um, unfortunately, when they closed, I decided that that was a very, um, as we all can remember, a very iffy time in retail and thought I'd get out of a traditional retail and uh, went to work for a company that acquires optometry practices called My Eye Doctor. Uh, they're still around, they're a great company. And I think that's really where I learned that at the end of the day, it wasn't so much retail as it was working with people. Mm -hmm. And uh, the skills you learn there are very similar to skills you will use in any, any leadership role. So um, I made the decision, I had heard a quote that if you aren't doing what you love, you're wasting your time. Yep. And uh, I had a big birthday and was on a vacation and decided, you know what, I'm going to stop wasting my time and uh, came back and decided to open my own company. <laughs> wow. So not only did you decide because <laughs> people decide they're going to do something, but then you actually took the steps to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> uh, is that three years ago? Two years ago. Um. I started Beverly Dry Goods just a year ago. Wow. Yeah. But you know, I don't, you know me, I don't waste a lot of time. Um, so yeah, a year ago I started it and um, primarily pop up then. So. And so, yeah, tell us about that. How did you start? So you, you came up with the idea that you wanted to do something that you loved. Mm -hmm. So did you... How did you go through that process of figuring out what it would be that you would want to do? Well, I know, um, you know, for those that don't know me, I'm very practical and <laughs> I, I really thought about what am I good at? And I'm really good at picking up on trends and I'm really good with people and I'm strategic. So, if I combine all those together, um, I, like I said, I live on the south side of Chicago um, in a community called Beverly. And when we moved here, we were so excited and, and we wanted to you know, buy our south side gear and <laughs> those sorts of things. And while I am Irish and, and love my Irish heritage, the only thing really available was things with shamrocks, south side Irish. Um, and that was really it. And uh, uh, kind of short of that, uh, there really wasn't anything. And the South Side of Chicago doesn't always get the best press. Um, and we really felt like there was just such a need for quality, positive South Side products. And, um, you know, someone said, if you can't find it, make it. So I did. Um, and that's kind of how that started. Wow. And so what was the first product that you produced? Um, it, so, um, for anyone not familiar with Chicago, uh, we love our St. Patrick's Day celebrations. And the South Side of Chicago has a long storied history of uh, South Side Irish Parade. And it is like a high holiday here. And so I learned to make candles. And I made a candle called, well, we still make a candle called Parade Day. And that was our very first product. Okay. Had you ever made candles before? No. Mm -mm. <laughs> you know, I, I figured it couldn't be. If so many people are doing it, it can't really be that hard. So, that you too. Amazing. <laughs> and, and so, you, you said you did operate it primarily via pop-ups. Mm -hmm. 
And I remembered you um, posting some pictures that you were at, like, there's a local farmer's market or a weekend. Mm -hmm. Is that Yeah. Yeah, we did, um, we signed up to do the, our local farmer's market. At that time, we were hyper-local, so it really seemed to be the easiest way to get ourselves in front of as many people as possible. So we signed up and did the farmer's market season, which went from May to October. And it was kind of nice because it was a regular gig. It's uh, really hard to find quality, not super expensive if you're new, uh, pop-up markets. So uh, we were very lucky to be able to get in and do that, which really kind of helped spread the word about us. So. And then how long did you, did you do that just for one season or two seasons? Yeah, one just season? one season. Um, tried really hard. I, I think that's where my retail background helped. Um, merchandising, you know, set up. I, I knew I had to have a logo um, and something that was catching right away. So um, I started the market with all of that. And every single week, someone asked, do you have a, an actual location? And uh, after eight months of being asked that, you know, um, I still wasn't quite sure, but luck fell my way. And so um, when was it that you decided, okay, I, I need a brick and mortar location? Um, the day I signed the lease. Um, <laughs> so uh, that actually isn't that far off. Um, so like I said, we've been on this major vacation. Uh, we, uh, my husband, Jason and I, we were talking and we knew I was going to quit my full-time job in the fall of this year um, to really focus on pop-ups um, because we had grown the business about as much as we could with both of us having full-time jobs. And there were a lot of things we were being invited to do that we just couldn't do because, you know, both of us were gainfully employed. <laughs> so um, we knew that was going to happen. So this February, I, like I said, a big birthday. I went on this big vacation, um, timed it beautifully and returned to the States March 9th. Uh, yes, we, I, we went to a, an island and I completely unplugged. So we had no idea what yeah what was going on we land I come bebopping off the plane and like flip-flops and a floppy hat and everyone is masked and I'm like what did I miss and um we quickly learned uh what we had missed and two days later the spot where I now sit um that owner was moving and announced she would be closing that location and I had always said that is the best location to have and I said, you know what? We're not going to get a better location. Let's just do it. And 48 hours later, I had a signed lease. Now that was a big <laughs> move because I was thinking they had thought about opening a brick and mortar and signed the lease before COVID happened. You actually mm -hmm. made the decision to sign the lease after COVID happened. Yes. That yeah. is a bold move. <laughs> That's a woman who has a goal and she is going to. <laughs> Reach it. You know what? If not now, when? Right? Yes. Yeah. I love it. So, um, so opening a brick and mortar, what um, did you have to augment your product assortment in any way? Did you just plan to continue with the candles and the um, 
uh, the South Side logo type mm -hmm. merchandise, or did you decide you're going to branch out with more categories? Uh, that's that's something that uh, took me a hot second. I mean, I've only been open for a little bit, so um, not that long. But I had initially was worried, you know, would people respond to things that weren't made by me because that was what they knew. And I quickly learned I can't make every, I can't make all the product. I just, I, there's no way, because um, literally, like, I can't pour that many candles. I can't, you know, vinyl transfer, all the things. So I really had to do some um, analysis of what I thought this was going to be larger than just candles and Southside, you know, logoed merchandise. And really thought about a larger, what does it mean to be from the South Side? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my goal was always to, um, and I say this with nothing but respect to Joanna Gaines, to be the silos of the Midwest. So, um, you know, what did that mean? And what did that mean for me and for the shop? And so I was strategic and really thought about the things that make living here unique and reached out and worked with uh, merchants that, uh, small merchants that were selling wholesale and started to bring in other products. And uh, knock on wood, it has done exceptionally well thus far. Awesome. So when did you, um, when did you start your website? Right, probably six months in. So when you were still doing pop-ups? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And when you first launched your website, was it just a, 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 like a landing page to announce it's a place you can go to find out more about us? Or did you actually start selling right away? We started selling right away. Uh, we didn't have a lot to sell. <laughs> it was a very small assortment. But so many people, that's kind of like the blessing and curse of pop-ups, right? They're great. Um, you know, normally it's a multi-vendor event, so you get people in that might not be acquainted with you, but then you also get people that can't make it that day. So, you know, we had to have a way for them to get a hold of us and, and look at what we did have to offer. We also have a large group, and a large is a relative term, but um, a group of people that are experts. Southside pets and still want goods. So we actually do a fair amount of shipping to people that um, actually I just um, got something ready that's going to Sweden. Uh, wow. Yeah, we're very excited about that. Um, but yeah, people that have lived here and, and want, you know, really have that nostalgia for, for the Southside and, and want those products. So you had, you started out interestingly, um, Kind of a kind of a brick and mortar where you're doing pop-ups and then adding the online and then uh, moving to brick and mortar. Would you be comfortable sharing a, a, a sales breakdown? What percent mm -hmm. versus online versus in person? Yeah, I would have uh, at the very beginning. I would have said you know ninety-five five. Um, now I would say we're probably eighty twenty. So still the majority is, is yeah is brick and mortar. Um, we're trying to uh, do some targeted marketing um, to kind of see <laughs> how to grow that. Um, but I would say now it's, yeah, okay. it's still definitely a brick and mortar. And so what kind of marketing did you do in the very beginning when you were doing pop-ups? 
you know, I guess you'd call it marketing. I uh, figured out how to work Instagram and Facebook and did the old take a photo of, and if you're interested, you know, DM me. That was my uh, really savvy marketing plot then. Yeah, which isn't that much different now, but yeah. Okay, all right. And now that you have a, a physical location, has your, and I know you, you said that you're going to do some targeted marketing, but have, have you changed any of your marketing strategy since you opened the physical location? Yeah, uh, I've had to embrace as much as it is not my comfort um, video. <laughs> I've, I've learned that uh, people really want to see that. And I, I'm sure they probably did before I had it, but I had the luxury of um, kind of really growing it at my own speed. Whereas now, you know, it, it's a little bit different and you have to kind of accelerate that. Um, so I, I definitely do a lot more videos and instructional things and i think a large part of what we want the brick and mortar location to be is more than just a shop i mean obviously primarily that's what we do we sell things um but it's such a tight community we we have like a back patio um that people just come and grab coffee at the coffee shop down the a couple doors down and come and sit um you know we're dog friendly so they bring their dogs sunday morning and we're not even open on sunday but you know i found out people were back there which is great because my my camera thing went off you know so i, I feel like we've been successful in, in that you know really creating a spot for people mm -hmm. uh people stop in you know let me know how their dog's doing you know things like that and and i feel like i've been able to establish that via um instagram and, and facebook so that's working for us excellent Okay. Um, so where does the manufacturing of the product that you make yourself, where does that take place? Well, um, my family is happy to say that it, most of it now is out of the shop. Uh, I'm, excuse me, out of the house and into the shop. Um, the candles are made exclusively now at the shop. I've been able to get that there, which is also um, great because the shop always then smells amazing. Um, but I still do most of the uh, heat transfer and all of that at the house. Um, I've since also learned to make soap and balms and those types of things. And uh, we're now moving those into the shop as well. And, and I haven't seen um, photos of that area of the shop. Is it a place where the customer could view you actually doing it? Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, the whole shop's 950 square feet. So, <laughs> um, you can pretty much see everything. Uh, yeah, I thought it was important that people see that. Um, you know, it, when you're trying to create like that closeness with the customer, you know, and, and you know, these are my neighbors, you know, they really want to see. And I think they have a, a much larger sense of confidence in the product, being able to see it. Um, you know, I, people have commented, oh, this is it. They come over, they want to look and, you know, um, I think I may have made it look really simple because they're like, that's all there is. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I have seen that a lot, especially with artists in small communities where they combine their workspace and their retail, uh, one, so that they can actually do the work and in, in the creative process and they don't have to hire somebody to man the shop. But they have discovered that having the customers come in, they just love that discovery process of seeing it in action. So yeah. it's a wonderful combination. So um, as you 
as you grow, do you have any plans to adjust your product assortment, add new categories, or you're going to see how things go for a while before you change? Oh, no, we're already adding. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think one of the things that sometimes hurts people is um, willing, like a, a lack of willingness to try something new. And I think it's one of the things that has made me thus far uh, be successful is I, I'm willing to try it, you know, um, conservatively, um, you know, and I've added a couple new categories since opening and all of them so far have done well. And I think I'll continue to do so because as we grow, I'm not going to be able to, uh, to always make everything. So I, I have to be able to give myself that ability to step away and, and look at the larger business as it grows. So when you, um, when you first started, did you sit down and write out a business plan? Not technically. Um, I knew I should because that's, that's what you're supposed to do, right? When you open, yeah, is it open a business? I know, I know you'd want me to have a business plan. So, but I looked at it and I'll be honest, it was intimidating. It, it just looked so massive. Uh, but I did have a really strong handle on the numbers. Mm -hmm. um, so though it wasn't, and because I did, I didn't need financing. Uh, I didn't have to create as high polished a business plan as if you're going in for financing. So that helped me, but I absolutely had a very strong hold on um, what I could spend, what was coming in, what I needed to come in, where it was going, um, and what those margins needed to be. So you had an expense budget, you knew what your <laughs> you knew what your things mm -hmm. needed to be, mm -hmm. put those together. That's great. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks. So, um, do you have a mission statement? See, yeah, I'm just letting you down time and time again. Um, you know, I, I obviously I knew this conversation was happening. I'm like, maybe I should create one. <laughs> and that seemed disingenuous, so I didn't. Um, you know, I, I don't think we have a mission statement. Um, not that we're out there without a mission, right? Um, I really, this all started because we love where we live. And we really feel that living in Beverly or the south side of Chicago uh, at a larger, you know, um, example means something. And the things that make it great to live here are not things that are in, a, in a, some sort of microcosm that don't exist elsewhere. And we think other people really deserve to live their best south side life too. Um, and that's our mission is to bring that to them. Great. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you have, you know what the purpose is. And yes. You know your blog. Yes. Not you know, necessarily in this slick statement, but. No. <laughs> you've got it. All right. So I am interested, and I'm sure our audience, some, some, anybody who's interested in starting up um, a retail storefront would be interested in the tools that you use. So specifically those technical services that, you know, this kind of stuff that you don't do yourself, but it supports the various parts of the business, like customer relationship management system, a point of sale system, what platform do you use for your online sales? So if you could just share, you know, throw out some of those names of those things you've decided to use. 
Yeah, so we started because we were a pop-up with Square. Um, you know, I know some people use some other things, but for um, those of us that are not super tech savvy, uh, Square does a great job really making it pretty simple. And they have really good analytics that are um, important to you, whether you realize it or not. And uh, so that's how we started was with Square. And then when we did our, uh, we did our website, we did, we did it through GoDaddy. And they work well with Square. And so those two are able to seamlessly chat with each other, which is nice. And then um, I've added, you know, less glamorous, but certainly important uh, is Shippo. That's, that's my newest uh, thing I've learned how to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what happens is, and, you know, this is where things you learn as you go. Um, don't know why I never thought about it before. So someone places an order, right? That's great. Excited. You placed an order and I get this order and it's wonderful. And I package it up. Well, I work as I'm the sole proprietor of the business. How do I make sure you don't need to wait um, until some empty time to get your product, right? So Shippo allows that to seamlessly connect and I can print labels and then get a pickup. So we just uh, initiated that, which has been so helpful. And why I chose Shippo over lots of other great services is for a really small business, they allow you to uh, pay per package versus mm -hmm. taking on the cost of a very large uh, monthly service when we don't have a ton of things that are shipping out. Got it. Okay. And that's really it. I don't have yet. I, I just started to use later, uh, which allows me to schedule my social media, which then in turn has some other great advantages, like once again, expanded analytics. And then it also allows me to uh, pool all my um, reviews and things into one spot. Mm -hmm. um, because I am the customer management system right now. <laughs> and so it gives it to me all in one place. I don't have to shop and go to each thing to find it. So, um, and that's kind of what we're doing right now. Right. Great. And so from a point of sale system, do you still use Square? Square. I sure do. Mm -hmm. Yep. So what was the most surprising thing you discovered when you opened your brick and mortar store that you didn't anticipate? This is gonna sound really strange. Um, you know, I, I've grown up in retail. I've sold lots of different things. Um, I've always worked for brands I've loved. Um, and I always had a lot of pride in what I sold. Um, but it's personal to a whole different level. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, you know, um, I'm kind of known for not being overly emotional. So, um, I think that's really what surprised me is how personal I um, sometimes feel about my shop and my things. So. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah. So like you said, you've been in retail dealing with customers for decades. Mm -hmm. And so that, um, that really answers my next question, which was what feels different to you now when you're interacting with customers, when you compare to when you worked for a corporate retailer and now it's your shop and you've pretty much succinctly answered that already. Yes, yeah, it's different. Yeah. It's like your little babies that are out there on the shelves. 
It is, it is. Um, but I've also learned um, while it's personal, don't take it personally. Mm -hmm. You know, um, not everyone is going to understand why that candle isn't, you know, the same price that they can find it somewhere else. Um, and that's okay. You know, it's okay. So what, um, what are your top tips, the do's and don'ts you would like to share with our listeners or viewers, um, someone who's thinking about starting a business, the most important things that they should do? Uh, your research. Um, though my story may seem somewhat haphazard or lucky or whatever, um, I, I am someone that loves to gather information. I take a lot of comfort in knowing the, the facts around it. I did a lot of demographic studies. I did a lot. I went to my chamber and looked at income. Like I did a lot of research. Um, I shopped a lot and shopped differently, right? Like we all love to shop. It's fun to go out there. Um, but really looked at who my competition was and what they had and what they did. And more importantly, what they didn't have, right? Um, I'm not going to out candle bath and body works, right? I, I'm not going to, you know, and that's fine. So how is mine different? And really feeling confident, not defensive and able to speak to why your product's different. Mm -hmm. And then the customer can decide if it's better. Um, but I, I think really doing your research. I see a lot of people just want to open up a shop because they love, you know, whatever it is that they're selling. Um, and I think you need to be able to have that ability to be objective about it and kind of uh, really look at that. Um, do once again, research, uh, know your real estate prices. Um, you know, once again, I, I at least had some idea of what seemed normal uh, in retail and then what seems normal for where you are, right? Because you may or may not be somewhere where that the average retail price really makes sense for your neighborhood or your market. Um, and then don't be afraid to walk away, um, you know. That's the car buying strategy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I didn't do the best job at hiding how excited I was about <laughs> getting my spot. And I had to come to a point where if this isn't going to work, it's not going to work. Do the numbers make sense? And it's hard. It, it's, you know, you're emotional. You know, you want to you wanna open up the shop. You know this is the great you know, the perfect spot, but is it the perfect price? And um, I think it helped me being able to separate and go, if we can't get it for this, then the numbers, the numbers just don't make sense. Right. So you had your facts lined up. Mm -hmm. Any important things that advice you could give that they should not do? Uh, don't fall in love. <laughs> you know, um, I, I just think it's, it's the, uh, it makes you blind and uh, makes you not make a, uh, good decisions. Um, and then don't, you know, don't listen to everyone. I'm not saying don't listen to anyone, but, um, you know, your friends are your friends and, and hopefully you have a great support team that tells you, you can do anything. Um, you know, and then you also have your naysayers, but I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, don't listen uh, to everyone and, um, don't go in blind. So one of the toughest transitions, I think, is for someone who has always worked for someone else or a company, and then they decide to go out on their own and start their own business, and they become their own boss. And at first, you think, this is going to be wonderful because I'm calling the shots, and 
I'm always been a go-getter and I've always turned my stuff in ahead of, you know, the deadlines, but it's so challenging to be your own boss. And what tips can you share of how you motivate yourself and how you hold yourself accountable? Yeah, so I'm very organized. Uh, so I keep a, I'm a list maker. And so I keep a list of what I need to do and I tie it to deadlines. And every day I start my day with this is what I need to do. And I think almost more importantly, I end my day with what did I get done? And uh, I only allow myself to move so many things. Um, and I think you also have to give yourself that time. Uh, in some ways, it's great, right? I'm my own boss. Who's going to fuss at me if I don't get something done? Uh, but also, who's going to do it if I don't get it done? Um, and I think, you know, you tend, it, for those that work at home, which is a lot of people right now, it's kind of the same thing, right? You have to know when to shut it off. And when you're, when you're your own boss, that sometimes becomes hard because it's, it's always with you. So I give myself one day um, that I, I don't do anything with work, um, mostly. And, and that allows me to really be focused the rest of the time. And um, I also have chosen to take a, a peer who I really trust and we kind of hold each other accountable. And anything big I really have to do, I, I share with them and, and we kind of, and she does the same, and we kind of hold ourselves accountable to those check-ins um, that has helped. Like an accountability partner. Mm-hmm, yeah. You're involved with your business, but you share your goals or your to-do list with each other, and then you have to report back on whether you did. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like an informal coaching relationship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Excellent. All right. Well, is there anything else you would like to share uh, with our audience, people that are thinking about starting their own business or wanting to step off and do what they really love? <laughs> you know, that, that's really the big decision that caused you to do this because you realized you weren't doing something you loved. But what would you like to share? You know, I would say if this is going into your own business, no matter what that may be, is something that you've you've thought about for a long time right those of us that have done it have always thought about it and just not if i'm going to be really honest not been brave enough right um you know i needed health care i needed this i needed that i hey i have pto i have you know there's there's a lot of great things about working for someone else um but i still think you know if that's what's in your heart and that's really where you want to be and i think if you make a strong plan, get someone else that you trust to look it over, um, you know, you owe it to yourself to try. Um, and, and not just a haphazard try, right? I shouldn't say that, but a well-executed, thought out, you know, um, business idea. And I now wish, honestly, I hadn't waited so long, but um, I think it was the right time. And I, I don't try to spend a lot of time you know, regretting things that I think things happen in the way they should mostly. And uh, I, I would definitely say, you know, put your thought on paper, share it with someone. And if it makes sense, you know, at least start it part-time. You have such an amazing story because I know that there are going to be people that listen to this 
and they're going to be thinking that, oh yeah, they started this and they had planned to open a brick and mortar and then COVID happened and oh my goodness. And, but no, I mean, you just made the decision with the knowledge of COVID, a global pandemic going on, retailers across the US closing, bankruptcies, and you opened a brick and mortar and you are making it happen and are successful. You are an inspiration to so many. Thank you. It's, you know, it's a wild ride, but you know, it's what we're here for, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's true. It's a journey. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta be fun. So one, one question I, and I hadn't I thought of it until just now, but you know, there's the, there's five stages that we go through whenever we're going through a change, you know, in the mm -hmm. beginning we're, um, we're, we're optimistic, but we're uninformed optimists. And then we start doing it and then we realize, oh, this is a little bit harder than I thought it was gonna be. And then we become informed pessimists, like, this is tough. And then we keep plugging through and then we get down to the bottom and we're in the pit of despair where this is so hard. I, I, didn't, I didn't sign up for this, this is just too hard. And, and you just wanna quit and go back to the way things were. Like, I want to go back and work for somebody else, get that paycheck. At least I know I'm going to get the paycheck every week. Right. Now, I'm never sure. But still, at least you're familiar with that kind of scenario. So was, did you hit a valley of despair where you're like, oh, but this is just not working. And you're going to, like, you know, cut bait and run back? No, now you have me worried that it's coming or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, no, I, I'm not, in all fairness, I feel like I'd all, and like I'd already been there, you know, I had done, I'd always played everything safe, you know, I, I'd always been the one before that was like, you know, no, I can't go out on my own, I have a good job, <laughs> and then I didn't, you know, I mean, through, I mean, you understand, you know, through no fault to, you know, so I don't, I don't think even those people that, that want to play it safe, you know, I realized even that's not really safe, you know, and then when I went to go, you know, after, um, you know, my previous employer had closed, I was like, I, I want a safe job. That was my one goal. You know, I just want something safe. And I had to come to the point where nothing is, is, you know, guaranteed, right? Anyone can close, any business can go under, um, anything can happen. And is it worth it to you to take that risk? And it might not be, you know, it might not be, and that's okay too. But for me, I didn't want to say, what if, what if I'd had the courage to do it? Yeah. Um, that just wasn't a gamble I was willing to take. Well, there's been lots of studies and at the end of our lives, most people, when they have regrets, it's because of things that they failed to take action on, things that they chose. They decided not to do it because they were too scared. So mm -hmm. congratulations, Mary. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us and much success. And I look forward to interviewing you again in the future. You can tell us about what's going on with Beverly Dry Goods. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Mary. Bye. Bye.